I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so, so excited to have my next guest here. We have Yakir Gola, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of GoPuff. And if you have not ordered from GoPuff, then boy, are you missing out. I mean, this is the most incredible, super, super convenient, fast service that just, I feel like just kind of hit me and uh, many people I know by uh, by surprise when you guys first came out. And uh, really, really great. Great to see that you guys are in the Bay Area where I live mostly, but I originally tried it in our uh, place in New York and um, absolutely loved it there. So very, very thrilled to have you on, Yakir. We're going to be chatting with Yakir about uh, just overall the journey of founding this incredible fast-growing company, which is in the instant delivery platform category. And they deliver everything from food and drinks to over-the-counter medications to household products, uh, lots and lots of uh, items that everyone needs. So I'm so fascinated by Yakir's story too. So we're going to definitely hear a lot more about that. And just also just what the heck is it like to be running a rocket ship like GoPuff is. So welcome, Yakir. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. Really excited to be here. Super excited. So talk to me a little bit about, I always like to get the background. So Yakir is a kid. Did you always know, okay, I'm going to go run a company. I'm going to create an entirely new uh, category or uh, maybe help to create an entirely new category. Who were you as a kid? It's a great question. So I grew up in uh, South Jersey, in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And My parents are both immigrants from Israel, and my family uh, started a jewelry business uh, where I was involved ever since I was maybe like 10 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, working in the jewelry store behind the showcase with my dad. Uh, But because he was, you know, a small business owner and entrepreneur, you know, I always remember him working seven days a week, coming home from work, you know, really late, really tired. And I would always ask him, like, hey, how much... Uh, how much money did you make today? You know, how how was business today? And I was always so interested uh, in his business and just growing up realizing what it takes uh, to be a small business owner, entrepreneur, I think, you know, just gave me the ambition and the curiosity, you know, to uh, solve problems for customers and really uh, create something uh, from nothing and be really resourceful. And so I think, my parents, uh, my dad especially, uh, you know, gave me a lot of motivation, you know, to, to be an entrepreneur. And I, I originally thought, and so did he, that I was going to take over the family business. And that, that's mm-hmm. what, that was the original plan. Um, and then I realized um, I love my dad, you know, but, uh, it, you know, hard to work with family a little bit. Um, and I realized w- when I was in college uh, with Raphael and my co-founder, we became, you know, best friends instantly, basically. And we realized how big of an opportunity GoPuff was. I had to sit down with my dad and say, look, I'm not going to take over the family business. And this is a major opportunity. And so, you know, maybe I would say from a young age, I was always interested in solving problems. And I was always interested in entrepreneurship uh, because I grew up in, in a household that, you know, embodied that. Uh, but, you know, um, that that's what I think. That's what I think it was. That's awesome. So, what did your dad say when you shared the idea of GoPuff with him, and that you were going to go out and start this business with Raphael? So he was definitely upset. You know, I would say honestly, it was definitely uh, upsetting to him because, you know, his dad was a jeweler. So my my dad was was a my dad's dad was a jeweler. My grandpa and 
you know, he had just a vision of me taking it over because I was uh, building an e-commerce business mm -hmm. uh, on top of our, you know, retail family jewelry shop. And it was doing really well. You know, we were selling millions of dollars worth of uh, used jewelry and I was running it when I was in high school and college. I was running this online jewelry platform and, wow. and built it. And so he saw that I was transforming the business and he obviously knew everything was shifting towards uh, online. This was maybe, I don't know, 12 years ago. Uh, so he was very upset, but I remember I printed out just some statistics that showed how fast uh, mobile e-commerce was growing. Mm -hmm. And I just said, when I told him the go of idea, I said, this is a scalable business opportunity. You know, like I, the, when I was building the jewelry business, I was limited to the inventory that we were buying in the store. And so it, it was very hard to scale uh, the, the family business into being something that, you know, can truly disrupt the industry and category. Um, and I thought GoPuff really had that opportunity. And so I explained to him how big the opportunity was, how fast, you know, mobile e-commerce was growing. Uh, how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. 
I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. For convenience. And then, you know, he, of course, was supportive. You know, he said, uh, whatever you think is the right thing for you. Um, And he he was upset, but he was also uh, very supportive of the direction that I wanted to go. That's awesome. Well, I always say that friends and family, the people that you actually want the most acceptance from in the beginning, are the the best people to actually uh, uh, sur- tell you not to actually go and take right. the risk. Right? <laughs> well, that happened a lot. I mean, I remember uh, when we were in college at Drexel, we asked a lot of our friends, what do you think about this idea? You know, mm-hmm. do you think people would use it? I would say 80% of people said no. Like, why would people use the service? They're just going to go to the store. There's no reason for it. And you're right. A lot of people, when we were just in the idea phase, sketching this out, told us that, you know, we shouldn't do this. Also including some, you know, a lot of family members. So I completely agree with you. You know, when you try to do something that's different or disruptive, you know, human nature is always going to point to, no, that can't be done, you know, um, because it hasn't been done or people are afraid of change. And so that that's definitely the majority of, of advice that we've gotten uh, in the early days, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and they love you. So they don't want you to take the risk. They want you to play it safe. They don't necessarily, yeah. right? They they come from a good place, but uh, it's uh, it's always a hard hurdle, I think, for people to get over, um, especially first-time entrepreneurs. So so let's talk about the founding story of GoPuff. So how did that all get started? So when Raf and I met in college, we met freshman year at Drexel, immediately became really close friends because both of us just shared uh, the same values. You know, we're both very close with our families. Um, we both grew up in a similar way where our parents are immigrants and we both worked with our parents uh, growing up and we're both really ambitious uh, from a young age, uh, just from a standpoint of business, entrepreneurship, solving problems um, and just hit it off. I would say the other thing is when we were living in a house uh, together, me, Roth and four other friends uh, when we were sophomores in, at Drexel, Uh, I was the only one with a car out of the friends group. So I was driving everyone to the local convenience store at uh, Drexel's campus. And I just said, it. you know, it was one of our friend's birthdays. I was running errands and, you know, to the the stores. And me and Ralph were just sitting there and said, you know, how is there not a company that would deliver you convenience items? And that's how we thought of the idea. But... As you know, we were, you know, 19-year-old broke college students and we had this idea and we we just started uh, sketching out an app. Like we, we immediately, you know, tried to think about, you know, the business plan, how do we solve this problem? Uh, we didn't have any capital. And so, you know, fast forward three, four months, 
what we did was one of our uh, friend's dad, uh, we told them, you know, we were looking for uh, capital to start start this company. And he said that there was a company that was in the main line, uh, which is the suburbs of Philadelphia, that was moving into the city and had all this used furniture there and said, you can use it for uh, your, your, you know, your company, uh, for your uh, fulfillment centers and offices. And I, and and we basically saw it as an opportunity. He said, take whatever you want. You know, me and Raf showed up uh, with a U-Haul and we ended up uh, taking all the used furniture uh, and selling it all for nearly $60,000 over the course of six months on Craigslist. I, I even wow. remember I had some of those posts. Um, and it was like one cubicle at a time. You know, we, we were just accumulating uh, capital to uh, start the company. And so, you know, then when we actually got our first fulfillment center in Philadelphia, it was like a thousand square foot in West Philadelphia. I think rent was like $400 a month because that, that's what we can afford. Um, I maxed out my credit cards. You know, we were all in on uh, buying inventory, all the few thousand dollar savings that we had. We used all the capital we had for, from the used furniture sale and then we started it. And so, you know, when you when I would tell you I've done over I don't know seven thousand deliveries alongside Roth, like we were the first delivery drivers, uh, we were the first warehouse employees. Like we were literally sleeping in the warehouses. We had couches in the back, um, sleeping in the warehouses. Um, we were the first, you know, uh, merchandiser, HR person. I mean, you name it. We had the customer service phone calls. Uh, when, whenever there was an issue for customers transfer to our cell phone. So, you know, that, that, that's how we were able to solve all customer complaint issues was by directing the toll-free number to our cell phone. Um, and we're doing this also while we were in class in the beginning. And so, uh, <laughs> so you can imagine, you know, we just said, we're not going to uh, commit to the traditional, you know, college, uh, you know, schedule and lifestyle. We said, and freshman year we did, you know, more, more, more so act like a, you know, more of a typical college student, but we were just so focused on this. We said, the only thing that matters is making this company successful. Nothing else matters to us. And that's what we did. And so for the first uh, year plus, it was just Roth and I in Philadelphia, we ended up moving into a, a bigger fulfillment center, uh, within a, you know, a few months. Uh, and the business started just taking off all across uh, Philadelphia, you know, on Drexel's campus, Penn's campus, Temple's campus. And, you know, we really focused on nailing the college customer with a very limited SKU base, just a hundred products. And then realized Philadelphia was doing so well, we became profitable there. And then we expanded to Boston. And Roth actually moved to Boston for several months, you know, was actually sleeping in the warehouse there too. Uh, and while I was running Philadelphia and then Boston really took off, uh, became profitable there. And then we just started to use our cash flow to expand. And for the first three years, we were actually running a fully profitable business, you know, without outside capital. Um, and business was growing. And that's when we, raised our first round of capital was going on to our year four once we already proved the unit economics and the profitability of the model um we decided to take on capital yeah i remember there was a, a phone call we got in in one of our uh, fulfillment centers from an investor in california and saying like they wanted to speak to me or my co-founder and i happened to be there it was like seven o'clock on a sunday and i uh, answered and they're really intrigued in what we're doing because all their interns were all using GoPuff, you know, oh, that's and they awesome. were telling them about it. Yeah. And then um, that's when we raised our first round of capital. But I got to tell you, I, we were not familiar with venture capital, with what a series A round was. <laughs> you know, we, we were just so focused on building just a traditional business model uh, that that's profitable because that's how we grew up. That that's how our parents taught us how to build a business. That was that was kind of the early uh, founding story. That's how we started. Every 28 seconds, an entrepreneur makes their first sale on Shopify. That's over 3,000 sales every day. 
one of those sales could be you. Shopify is more than an online store. It is a subscription-based software that allows you to sell your product, reach your consumers, and drive sales all from one place. Shopify also gives you detailed reports of your conversion rates, profit margins, and traffic to your page. You can then generate traffic by using Shopify's integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots and everything in between. Plus, Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has everything you need to scale your business, whether you're a brand new startup or a seasoned entrepreneur. I personally love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success with Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash Kara, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash Kara right now. That's shopify.com slash Kara. If you've been listening to the Kara Golden Show for a while, you may have heard about my book, Undaunted, which by the way, is now a Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestseller. In Undaunted, you will learn about my journey, not only how I came up with the idea for Hint, but also the ups and downs, twists and turns along the way. I learn from stories, and I guess my own story is no exception. You will definitely hear it all in Undaunted. Listening to books is one of my favorite secrets to getting more books under my belt. I find that I can always get a bit of listening in, whether it's on my lunch break or even on a hike. Probably the thing that has made me happiest about writing this book is hearing from people, hearing how this book has helped them push through hard things that they are dealing with and try new ones. I've heard from countless people how Undaunted has helped them see that they are not alone in their difficult times, but also how pushing forward and finding a way is usually what it takes. Looking back on my stories and sharing observations about how I got through just those sticky moments might help you think about some of your own sticky situations as well. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. It's time to move past your fears and defy the doubters too. My book on is available everywhere. Books are sold on Amazon and Audible as well. And shoot me a DM and tell me what you think. Back to the show. So you take that first round of capital and what did you do at that point? I mean, besides probably go out and have beers or... <laughs> and be really happy about it but what what did you i mean did you feel like you had to kind of grow up you had to not be sleeping in the warehouse anymore i mean do you think that that capital infusion changed who you were and what you felt like you needed to do in order to be successful totally totally i think it completely changed you know, just the way we needed to operate in order for us to get to the next level. But we still stayed true to who we were. And, you know, we were still super scrappy, no matter how much capital we raised. Um, it was important for us to instill that scrappiness and fiscal responsibility into the DNA of the company, because that's where we came from. That's part of who we are. And I think the, the big thing we decided to do was we started to expand our offering to our customers. And so we bought our first liquor license, um, which costed a few hundred thousand dollars, which before the capital raise was hard to go dish out, you know, and make an investment of, of, of several hundred thousand dollars. So we bought our first uh, liquor license in uh, Philadelphia. It was actually a beer, just a bitter license. Mm. And we realized that there's a huge demand for alcohol on the platform and we we went out and we go we went and 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 uh, introduced alcohol uh and then we started to get into ice cream we were able to afford you know investing in freezers uh, for our fulfillment centers to expand the assortment so we got into things like ice cream and frozen uh products uh frozen meals things like that and th those were those are some of the the initial investments we made, which transformed the business. You know, we're now 
largest seller of alcohol and e-commerce, you know, and not only that, but we've become one of the largest liquor license holders in the U.S., operating close to 500 liquor licenses across 31 states. So That's fast amazing. forward to kind of what those early instincts and results ended up becoming for, for the company definitely uh, completely changed the game for us completely. How did you think about rollout strategy? I mean, you went into obviously college campuses and, and what year did you actually start? 2013. So before the pandemic, um, while everyone was on college campuses. So, um, but at what point did you decide you were going to go into New York? Because I remember New York was for hint, that was really our second market. And people um, definitely raised their eyebrows when we were going into New York because they thought, you better be ready. And uh, and it it's definitely been, uh, you know, 17 years of a learning experience going into New York and up and down the street business. And obviously, your business is different. But it's, uh, I would imagine, going into New York must have been a big decision. Yeah. So, we decided to go into New York uh, as our sixth market. And so that was going on to probably year four, going on to year five, between year four and year five. So we made a mistake there. That was actually one of our biggest mistakes we made early on, which we learned from where I think we went into New York too fast. Hmm. So what happened is we realized, you know, we were operating in Philadelphia and Boston and Washington, DC, and we, we started to get a lot of traction uh, on the East Coast. And then what we realized uh, is we have so many customers downloading GoPuff in New York and, you know, demanding the service there. And so we had to get there. And so we opened up in Manhattan, we had, we got one warehouse in Times Square to cover the entire island of Manhattan which that was the mistake number one. Um, and the, the other mistake was we had no experience uh, with, you know, doing deliveries uh, on bikes, right? Because our deliveries were all done on, on cars prior. And we did not have the tech. We did not have the infrastructure uh, to support the right customer experience. And New York is just a different piece. We weren't ready for it, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so... When we were operating in New York for about, I don't know, maybe nine months, there was, the problem wasn't the customer demand. There was significant customer demand. The problem was that we couldn't deliver a consistent customer experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we ended up doing was, you know, we realized that we were spending so much time focusing on trying to get New York right, where there was an entire U.S. market opportunity. And what we did was we... We went to our investors. We said, we're going to shut down New York. Um, and we think that this is the smart move. We're just, we're just going to shut it down. And we, we withdrew from New York. That was actually the only market we withdrew from. And then we said, we're going to focus on, you know, all the other major markets in the U.S. Uh, and then we're going to come back and revisit New York once we're fully ready. And so, you know, I'm proud to say we came back to New York uh, six months ago, finally, you know, mm -hmm. that was like almost four years later uh, with, with, you know, maybe a network of 20 fulfillment centers, much more superior product and app, much better technology for you know, multimodal delivery. Uh, we have, you know, a lot bigger brand we we have a lot better, like I said, technology, inventory management capabilities, expertise, and we came in here, you know, with a great, great plan and a great team, and been executing really, really well, delivering what I believe world class customer experience. New York actually has better fastest delivery time uh, across the nation, and it's growing very, very quickly, and and. Unit economics are are positive, um, and so you know I'm proud to say we came back. We learned from all of the mistakes that we made first time around, um, but that was our story with New York. So you know it's it's a very very tough market. You have to get it right, and and the customer expectation is is different than than the, the rest of the country as it should be. Interesting. So you talked about consumer expectation a couple of times. So why is that so important when you're building a brand? 
I believe that you have to put the customer first. You know, what me and Raf always talk about is like customer, company, team, individual. That's our framework in making decisions. And if you don't deliver a world-class customer experience and you're not retaining your customers and your customers aren't happy, then you're just going to have a poor business, right? You're going to have someone that tries you once and doesn't use you ever again. The best companies in the world built their business without spending significant marketing dollars, which, by the way, has been our strategy. We, we didn't spend marketing dollars practically for the first five years, and we our marketing budget is, is relatively low um, versus our, our peer set uh, from a percentage of revenue perspective. Like We've always focused on uh, delivering the best customer experience. So what I mean by that is you know, the best delivery experience, making sure that the items are in stock, making sure that what you order is what you get, making sure you're innovating uh, for what the customer wants, that the app is, uh, you know, focused on delivering uh, the best, you know, consumer experience. Everything we do is, is really wowing the customer and talking about, you know, delivering a magical experience for them. And so, you know, 50% of our customers, um, new customers come from just straight up word of mouth, you know, yeah. people telling their friends. And so that's how we built a business. Uh, that's how I think the best companies in the world build companies is focusing on the customer. And so it's super important to get that right before you scale. You have to get that right. And then you have to get the unit economics right. The, the, those are fundamentally the most important things in, in my mind. Yeah. Well, and the pass along of that consumer that, you know, gets melted ice cream. I mean, they'll, they will tell not just one friend that they got melted ice cream. They will tell 20 friends that they got, right? So you have to be able to get that right. And um, I think it's um, brave and and smart that you backed out because I think so often people who are running businesses, especially people who are not familiar with the operations side Mm -hmm. of it, um, I think that that's a unique thing that founders, I believe, really kind of have ingrained inside of them that they're okay with falling down and then getting back up again and figuring out, okay, now where do we go and what do we do? And if they screw up, then they own it and all of those things. So I think that's a great example and story that you shared. So obviously COVID hits. We can't uh, forget all about that. For the last couple of years, you had focused on colleges originally, but obviously before COVID, you had gotten much more into um, delivering outside of college campuses. But how did you feel like you really had to shift and, and throw the gas on in another direction? How did you know how to do that? Look, we started off with college students because that's who we were and that that's what we knew uh, was going to be the best strategy because we saw Facebook, you know, starting with college students and we were college students and college customer again, like before COVID. Right. Um, and hopefully we're going to come back to this soon. Like college students are always together, right. It's a community and, and you know, people talk and, and share ideas and, and products. And so we realized that that was the best way to start uh, to get uh, GoPuff started. You know, I think when our initial strategy was let's focus on college towns, you know, because that was a differentiation. I, I will be honest. Part of that was because I said it was easy way to start, but we also thought that it was differentiated uh, versus uh, competition, you know, versus mm-hmm. um, or potential uh, competitors. And so we realized that if we can really own the college customer, they're going to grow up they're going to graduate and then they're going to move into, you know, larger cities. And then we're going to be ready to serve them then. But, you know, people are creatures of habits, right? And so if, if we can get customers when they're young, Mm -hmm. right, they're, uh, they're, they're making decisions uh, when they're 18, 19, 20 years old on what services they're going to use, right? What, brands they're going to buy, what companies they're going to stand behind when they're young, uh, they're just going to get, you know, um, more and more, you know, um, uh, you know, 
they're just gonna they're just gonna love their products more and grow up with those brands, right? I can give yep. you plenty of examples uh, with other consumer companies, and so and that's what we did. We said let's let's really you know make sure we're we're controlling the, the college towns and we get all the customers in college to use GoPuff, and then it'll give us opportunity to then expand into the bigger markets in the tier one and tier two markets of the cities uh, once we had a substantial customer base uh, there. And so that was our strategy. Um, we also realized that we wanted to make sure that the economics really, really worked and they were really profitable uh, because we never relied on outside capital. And and we, we also realized that the college towns were also printing money for us and it, it was a way to get customers and, and, and you know, get get to really strong uh, EBITDA margins and and, and uh, cash flow, and so that allowed us to do that. Then when we realized, okay, we own the college towns, right? And obviously, there's still more opportunity. Then we realized, okay, the target customer of 18 to 25, you know, we've done a really great job of penetrating. And then we realized, okay, now we want to go after. Uh, you know, millennials, right? 25, 35 in terms of the target customer. And then we started to enter uh, bigger markets, you know, uh, tier one and tier two markets across the US. And we realized we had to adapt the branding. You know, we were very edgy in the early days, right? We were very, very focused on the younger demographic. Uh, we also s started to innovate and, and, you know, on the actual app itself, you know, we, we had to you know, adjust the branding, adjust the app. We also had to adjust the assortment. So we started to get into things like uh, baby products, uh, things like pet food, things like household essentials. And so we started to expand the assortment as well as expanding the brand. You know, we also changed the logo. Um, you know, the the previous logo used to have a, um, actually the first one used to have a hookah hose. The second one used to have an arrow. Um, and then now there, there's, it's clean, right? It's go right. very clean. So there's been a huge concerted effort, right? Of going from college customer to now anyone who wants instant. And now what I could tell you today is college students make up for less than 10% of the customer base. And huh. we've had a huge transformation in who uses GoPuff, why somebody uses GoPuff. Um, the assortment now is north of 4,000 SKUs, right? Mm -hmm. We're now delivering things like over-the-counter medication, things like laundry detergent, uh, things like uh, food, right? Like we have a uh, light grocery category. Uh, like I talked about alcohol becoming a, a big part of the business. So, you know, we've, we've innovated significantly in terms of our offering and our customers have truly grown with us. And now anyone that wants, you know, convenience or that values their time has become a GoPuff customer, no matter what your age is or what, what your demographic is. And so, but I believe fundamentally that if we didn't start with the focus on college students, yeah. I wouldn't even be able to get to where we are today. And obviously we have a long way to go, but that, that was our way into the market. So we're, uh, you know, a couple of years into, into COVID. So how do you think this business has really changed for you overall? I mean, obviously you've grown your SKUs um, significantly. You've gone into a lot more markets. Mm -hmm. And also, do you think this consumer has changed significantly? Not just for you, but do you f believe that this consumer has changed? I feel like more and more consumers are really focused on staying healthy, right? And whether that's... Uh, um, eating better. And uh, I'm not, I, I'm so curious, what do you think is uh, based on what you guys are seeing? Yeah. So what I would say is it's always been important for us to use data, you know, mm -hmm. to drive decisions uh, to innovate for the customer. You know, like we've looked at when the pandemic hit, what were people searching for on the app, right? What were things that uh, consumers needed now where it was, you know, unsafe, uh, to, you know, leave your houses in many mm -hmm. instances, uh, because of COVID. And so what I could tell you was we were the first company to deliver COVID tests. Hmm. You know, we focused on, uh, getting masks and selling masks and gloves, uh, for consumers on the platform. And so, you know, we partnered 
also with local businesses that were going bankrupt, needing to shut their doors and couldn't afford to pay rent. Well, we basically came to them and said, let's sell your local products on GoPuff. We actually started buying wholesale products uh, from local business owners that were locally loved products across a hundred markets. And we created a local category on GoPuff to actually help uh, small That's business awesome. owners and entrepreneurs, you know, so, you know, we had to adapt our business and we saw, you know, significant growth, of course, because of COVID. But what I can tell you is that consumer behavior has changed permanently. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was changing before COVID, but when you're sitting in your house, right. And you're shopping online, you know, the transformation and the growth that you've seen in e-commerce post pandemic, it's absolutely here to stay. Once you, once you use GoPuff and you experience instant, you realize how much better it makes your life because it's saving you time and we're delivering you medicine when you're sick, diapers you know, for a newborn, you know, if, if you need alcohol for a party, right? We're, we're actually creating amazing experiences and in, in a 20, 30 minute time period where we're improving your life, you realize that your behavior is changing permanently. I think what you're seeing in other segments of delivery, like for example, you know, restaurant delivery mm-hmm. or even a tr- the travel sector, I think you're seeing a, a big slowdown post pandemic because people want to go out and go to restaurants and they do want to go and travel more, but people don't want to go back to the store and, and yeah. especially, you know, a, a, a poor experienced convenience store as an example. And, you know, people, and, and in some cases it's even unsafe, right? Um, and so what people have realized is once a, a product can improve your life uh, and it's saving you time and it's creating experiences for you, that's what consumers want. You know, that's what the best companies in the world do for you as a product. And that's what I believe GoPuff has done for consumers. And, and so what we're seeing post pandemic, for example, you know, Q1 of this year, we grew 80% year over wow. year just in our U.S. business, right? Amazing. And it's actually a greater, uh, if you include, you know, the international businesses, but, you know, and, and that is, uh, that's an important thing to highlight because like, as I said, once you get used to getting your ice cream and your snacks and your medicine and all of your immediate instant needs, you know, your, the retention rate and the behavior that we've seen has actually only accelerated uh, post pandemic. And so I, I think you're seeing this across, you know, all of e-commerce. And I do believe that consumer behavior is permanently changing. What do you think is the, is the hardest thing about uh, your business that keeps you up at night? There's a lot of hard things. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really hard business. The hardest thing I would say is you just prioritizing all of the you know, potential growth initiatives, right? There, there, there's so many opportunities um, of where we can take the company, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of exciting categories that could be huge game changers for us. But I, I believe it's super important to focus, you know, when, when we, uh, when we started GoPuff, you know, nine years ago, um, the reason we we were able to succeed is because we stayed focused on the vertically integrated model. You know, we didn't deviate um, and start all these new business models um, or, you know, get into third party or, or partner with other, other companies. You know, it it was, it was like, let's stay true to our North star. Let's stay true to our uh, business strategy and of being vertically integrated. Let's, really nail the model before scaling it. And so I think, so as you get bigger, you know, I think that the focus um, that you give to the organization, you know, is, is super important. So that's one thing, but also look, this is an operationally complex business, right? You know, you're operating um, 650 fulfillment centers across four countries, you know, we're operating close to nearly 20,000 employees you know, across the U.S. and that's not including driver partners um, who are contractors uh, for the GoPub platform. And, you know, just operating this distributed uh, 
network, right, that we have where every market's different, right? This is a local business. LA looks very different than Philadelphia, which looks different than Chicago. Um, the assortment is different, you know, but you have to, you know, manage this uh, logistics network uh, globally, right? And innovating and growing at the fast clip that we are, right? Um, mm -hmm. One of the fastest growing companies in the US right now, uh, while we're investing, you know, significantly in, in growth, while managing, you know, the supply chain element, the, the you know, micro fulfillment center network, the driver network, right? All the uh, software for routing and batching, all the driver network, right? Yeah. You know, this is it's a, uh, this is a complex operation. And some people said, oh, you know, first party, you know, you guys operate fulfillment centers, right? You know, th 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 this, this is uh, operating, like I said, 500 liquor licenses, you know, we're we're solely focused on this business model and there's been some people that have tried you know to go after and and, and compete with us uh that have been you know unsuccessful because i think they underestimated um the focus right and the intensity that's involved with first party and by the way first party wins long term um and you've seen this across Amazon, and I can give you plenty of other examples and in industries where companies have went successfully from first party to third party, but no one's actually ever went from third party to one party successfully because first party is a freaking hard business. Yeah. You know, and, and as so long as you have enough money to stay alive, right? That's what yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the key thing. So I think it's, uh, it's something I always share with entrepreneurs that that is the, uh, it's kind of the key to the kingdom too, is Absolutely. being able to have enough funding so that you can, sometimes you got to wait things out um, and, uh, and watch the competitors go away um, and do the best yeah. job that you continue doing and all of those things, no matter what category that you're in. But what last question. So what would you advise a brand new entrepreneur starting a company? Um, obviously, you know, this business has grown significantly. What do you know today that you didn't know back then? I mean, I think you you started in one market and got it right, which is great before you went on to another market. I'm sure you made mistakes along the way, but what would you say to a new entrepreneur wanting to get going? I mean, what, what should they focus on before uh, moving forward? You know, I would say nail the business model before scaling it make sure that you have figured out profitability mm -hmm. and positive unit economics before scaling it i think that's critical and i think a lot of the the problems are when a founder for example receives a lot of cash or receives a big you know seed round is in a, and is awarded right right for something that they haven't even done yet right and the problem is you get comfortable right and 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 what i've seen in terms of you know uh first time entrepreneurs or even second time entrepreneurs that raised capital before they had anything right they um they just get comfortable and, and they get they they don't execute uh as well as fast they're not as resourceful they're not as scrappy and so i think like nailing a business model with limited resources prove out your model you know and it, it doesn't have to get to full-on cash flow positive and profitability although i think you should um and that's what we did you know it's really important to nail the model and the economics of it before scaling it that is critical being scrappy being resourceful and getting into the details uh, and you, you are, you know, the, the product owner. And I think, uh, you have to obsess over the customer experience and you need to continue to listen to your customers and innovate on the platform. You know, I believe done is better than perfect. Right. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times I also see entrepreneurs like they want to wait for the absolute perfect product to launch, you know? And if I showed you what GoPuff looked like nine years ago versus what it looked like five years ago versus what it looked like now, right? Completely different, right? It's, it's making it better 
improving like 1% every single day, right? And so, you know, making sure that you're getting something out there in the market and then getting customer feedback and, and iterating and improving and innovating, right? That that's That's what the best companies do. And don't be afraid to do that. And then last thing is not to be afraid of failure. I think a lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning, they're afraid to fail. And I think part of it is because their inner circle uh, will tell them, you know, what if you fail or, you know, what will, I think sometimes instill doubt because as I said before, human nature is, you know, afraid to make, uh, make changes, right. Make bold decisions, change the way things are done. That's just how humans are wired. And so the average person will say, no, that people are already doing X. Why would they do Y? Right. And, um, if that was the case, you wouldn't have all this amazing innovation happening in the world. Um, but not being afraid to fail and going for it, the worst case that happens is you fail and you learn from it and then you improve the next time. And so th- those would be my uh, my lessons. And I'm still learning every day and, and so is my co-founder and we have a lot a lot more to learn. Um, but th- th- that's you know a few words of advice I would give to any uh, you know new entrepreneurs. I love it. Well, that is great advice. Yakir, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And everybody go order from GoPuff immediately. And if you have not gone to their site, definitely check it out. And thank you again for listening, everyone. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and soon adding uh, Friday as well. And if you haven't picked up a copy of my book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, it shares a lot of my lessons along my journey and many, many um, similarities, frankly, in Yakir's journey, it sounds like. Uh, lots of failures, uh, lots of doubts that I had about being able to do it along the way. Uh, but definitely download and uh, subscribe to the uh, Kara Golden Show as well. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week. And uh, again, go order from GoPuff. Thank you, Kara. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.